0: Chapter Eighteen of Philip Drew, Administrator by Edward House This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by The Progressing America Project. Chapter Eighteen Gloria's Work Bears Fruit. In her efforts towards proselyting the rich, Gloria had not neglected her immediate family. By arguments and by bringing to the fore concrete examples to illustrate them, she had succeeded in awakening within her father a curious and unhappy frame of mind. That shifting and elusive thing we call conscience was beginning to assert itself in diverse ways. The first glimpse that Gloria had of his change of heart was at a dinner party. The discussion began by a dyspeptic old banker declaring that before the business world could bring the laboring classes to their senses, it would be necessary to shut down the factories for a time and discontinue new enterprises, in order that their dinner buckets and stomachs might become empty. Before Gloria could take up the cudgels in behalf of those seeking a larger share of the profits of their labor, Mr. Strawn had done so. The debate between the two did not last long and was not unduly heated, but Gloria knew that the Rubicon had been crossed and that in the future she would have a powerful ally in her father. Neither had she been without success in other directions, and she was, therefore, able to report to Philip very satisfactory progress. In one of their many conferences she was glad to be able to tell him that in the future abundant financial backing was assured for any cause recommended by either of them as being worthy. This was a long step forward, and Philip congratulated Gloria upon her efficient work. Do you remember, Gloria, he said, how unhappy you were over the thought of laboring among the rich instead of the poor, and yet contemplate the result? You have not only given some part of your social world an insight into real happiness, but you are enabling the balance of us to move forward at a pace that would have been impossible without your aid. Gloria flushed with pleasure at his generous praise and replied, It is good of you, Philip, to give me so large a credit, and I will not deny that I am very happy over the outcome of my endeavors, unimportant though they be. I am so glad, Philip, that you have been given the leadership of our side in the coming struggle, for I shall now feel confident of success. Do not be too sure, Gloria. We have the right and a majority of the American people with us, yet, on the other hand, we have opposed to us not only resourceful men but the machinery of a great government buttressed by unlimited wealth and credit. Why could not I try out the sincerity of my rich converts and get them to help finance your campaign? Happy thought! If you could succeed in doing that, Gloria, you would become the Joan of Arc of our cause, and unborn generations will hold you in grateful remembrance. How you do enthuse one, Philip! I feel already as if my name were written high upon the walls of my country's Valhalla. Tell me how great a fund you will require, and I will proceed at once to build the golden ladder upon which I am to climb to fame. You need not make light of your suggestion in this matter, Gloria, for the lack of funds with which to organize is essentially our weakest point. With money we can overthrow the opposition. Without it I am afraid they may defeat us. As to the amount needed, I can set no limit. The more you can get the more perfectly we can organize. Do what you can and do it quickly, and be assured that if the sum is considerable and if our cause triumphs, you will have been the most potent factor of us all." And then they parted, Gloria full of enthusiasm over her self appointed task, and Philip with a silent prayer for her success. End of chapter eighteen.